This is District Sentinel Radio. It's the dang newscast of record for the left. I'm Sam Sachs. I am Sam Knight. We are broadcasting out of Pistown, Washington, D.C. Check out the website, districtsentinel.com. Check out the Patreon, patreon.com slash district sentinel. Back after a nice weekend. Ready to get into the news. Well, I'm not so ready. I had a nice weekend, Sam. You know what I did all weekend? What'd you do? I played Civ. Ooh. Got some Civ going. Um, my computer has been fucking up when it comes to playing Civ. My graphics card is shit. So, like, I'll play a few turns and it'll all go skitsy. So, I just got it on my PlayStation. I've been playing Civ 6 on PlayStation 4 and it runs great. It's fantastic. Um, I've been, uh, I, I had a nice Civ going. Late. What I like to do is I like to turn off all the victory conditions except domination and mm. turn off the turn limit and just play and you know, just build. You don't you don't feel like the constant nagging pressure of of civs like getting close to winning a science victory or a culture victory. You can just focus on your own fight wars when it's necessary to fight wars and just keep building up and building up until it's time to like launch the global wars of conquest at the end. <laughs> Um, and that's where I'm at. And then I started a new game where I'm trying the whole one city challenge where you just have one city mm. and you try to make it as big as possible. It's not going so well yet for me on that. So game. the one city challenge, when it, if you conquer another city, you have to raise it to the ground. Is exactly. That I've, I've done a few raisings. Mm. <laughs> uh, I love raising a city cause <laughs> It just turns into this like beautiful green pasture. I'm reminded of like the Talking Heads song. This was a parking lot. Now it's just covered in daisies. <laughs> That's what it's like canceled. when you raise a city. We're getting anyway. canceled. We're going to get canceled. For what? For raising cities? For raising of, uh, cities. <laughs> no, no. That's the new way to do it. You got to be a climate Stalin. You got to raise the cities. <laughs> Are you using uh, nuclear weapons? No. I've not used any nukes yet. Coward. <laughs> it's wrong to raise cities, but it's good to nuke cities. You just got to let nature heal. All right. Uh, hey, I'm not saying you wouldn't have gotten canceled uh, for using nukes too. That's that's definitely a, a cancelable offense. Yeah. Remember when you I'm nuked just saying, me? If you, Remember if you're when we played cities, multiplayer? You may as well nuke them too. Remember when we played multiplayer that one time and you nuked me, but not on either of our territory, but on a third party's land that I was using as part of my invasion? Well, yeah. I mean, you were using their territory to invade. What was what did you expect me to do? I didn't expect you to nuke some innocent uh, third party. Well, they weren't so innocent, country were they? Was, I mean, they but, were uh, aiding and abetting in a conspiracy against against my people. Anyway, uh, we're slowly morphing our newscast into a Civ Civ chat, which I'm sure a lot of our listeners wouldn't be too disappointed by, honestly. I think we've got a lot of Civ heads at home. All right. It is a good game. Let's get to the work. It's Monday, November 16th, 2020. Here's the news. President Trump is still refusing to concede defeat, tweeting this morning, among other things, quote, I won the election. NBC News hypothesized that the president is doing this to help raise money for his legal defense fund, but the president seems to genuinely believe that he can overturn the result. He tweeted unsubstantiated rigging claims all weekend, 
and also posted in support of the quote-unquote Stop the Steal rally in D.C. on Saturday, an event organized by unapologetic fascists. The demonstration led to hundreds of Proud Boys and other far-right street militants rampaging through the streets. At least three counter-protesters were stabbed, according to It's Going Down. The Washington Post said that there were 21 arrests. The majority of those arrested were from D.C. and Maryland, suggesting cops mostly focused on local counter-protesters, which isn't surprising considering images on social media showed the police officers with their backs to Trump supporters during confrontations. Despite the president clearly yearning for a putsch, rats are fleeing the sinking ship. The Trump campaign has fired all staffers not involved in litigation efforts, and today a top cabinet official announced he would quit before the next inauguration. SEC Chair Jay Clayton said today that he would step down at the end of the year. The Trump administration also appears to be rushing to get dirty work done before the inauguration. It has been reported that the White House could escalate its pressure campaign on Iran, as we noted on last week's Means Morning News. And today, the Department of the Interior published a call for oil and gas companies to claim Arctic land for drilling rights, something Joe Biden opposes, believe it or not. The agency set up the auction so that it would take place just before Biden's inauguration. There had been a ban on Arctic drilling until it was repealed in 2017 when Republicans passed their tax reform bill, giving away more than a trillion dollars to the rich. One environmental activist told the Washington Post, however, that the Trump administration might not be able to finalize the sale after the auction. There are also legal challenges to interior policy, That could render the auction void. Moving on, and before I do, I know I completely butchered the Talking Heads lyric at the beginning of the show for nothing but flowers. Uh, I don't need your comments pointing that out to me. I am aware. The COVID pandemic is totally out of control right now. For two weeks in a row, the number of daily new COVID infections topped 100,000. Over the last week, the U.S. saw a million new infections bringing the total infections to well over 11 million. The number of deaths are rapidly approaching a quarter million. In response, some states that went into lockdown then came out of lockdown over the summer are now getting back into lockdown. Michigan announced an end to in-person college and high school classes. The state is also prohibiting indoor dining and other activities. The state of Washington is also re-implementing restrictions on indoor dining and gyms. Oregon, too, is closing gyms and restaurants. Even North Dakota, which has long resisted COVID restrictions and now finds itself forcing COVID-positive nurses back to work to deal with the flood of infections, is implementing modest mitigation measures, including a mask mandate and limits on indoor dining to 50% capacity. While all of this is going on, Congress is still no closer to passing a pandemic stimulus measure. Although the lame duck president tweeted out a call this weekend for a, quote, big and focused stimulus, Senate Republicans under Mitch McConnell are not budging over their meager relief proposal. There are still trillions of dollars separating the more robust House bill, which includes extending expanded unemployment benefits and a second round of $1,200 direct payments to Americans and whatever the hell Republicans in the Senate are willing to support. In just the first week of November, nearly three-quarters of a million people submitted claims for unemployment. 
Still no relief in sight either for the tens of millions of renters and homeowners who will be required to pay back full rent for months that they missed during the pandemic due to joblessness. The nationwide eviction moratorium expires at the end of the year. And a statistic that sums up just how grim things are getting and how they're going to get even worse. Uh, Anna Cabrera from CNN tweeted this out that uh, six days ago, there were 10 million cases of COVID-19 in the U.S. And now there are 11 million cases. So in the past six days, we've gone from 10 million to 11 million. That is a 1 million in case, a 1 million case increase in less than a week and a 10% increase in the number of cases, which again was already at 10 million. And it's just staggering. Yeah. It's uh, that geometric rise. It's going to be a really shitty winter. (sighs) The Senate looks set to vote this week on a long-stalled nominee chosen by President Trump to serve on the Federal Reserve Board of Governors, but it's not clear that the controversial pick will have the votes to get confirmed. Judy Shelton has earned skeptics for questioning the Federal Reserve's independence, also more importantly for questioning the need for central banking and for believing that the U.S. should return to the gold standard, an idea that seems to be loved exclusively by cranks. She might be too far gone, even for today's GOP. Three Republican senators have already come out against her nomination. In the summer, Susan Collins and Mitt Romney came out to oppose Shelton's nomination. Today, Tennessee's Lamar Alexander also said he would vote against her. Unfortunately, however, he won't vote against her. A spokesperson for the senator told The Hill that Alexander won't be in Washington for the vote on Wednesday. The good news, however, is that Florida Republican Rick Scott also won't be in town for the vote. He revealed this weekend that he's quarantining after being in contact with someone who tested positive for COVID-19. So that good news could get even better real soon. Still, one more Republican would need to reject Shelton and forget Lisa Murkowski. She said Thursday she would back the nominee, giving Mitch McConnell the confidence to move forward. The Scott and Alexander absences would leave the vote at 49-49, with Mike Pence casting the tiebreaker. And this assumes that Kamala Harris would even be present for the vote. If confirmed, Shelton will serve a term that expires in 2024. Finally, the health insurance oligopoly is only getting worse. New government report found that market concentration among issuers of private health insurance has increased in recent years, with nearly every state in the country now dominated by three or fewer corporations. The Government Accountability Office is tasked with releasing data on health insurance industry concentration, Its latest report tracks the issue dating back to 2011. In that year, 33 states reported that its three largest issuers of individual insurance held at least 80% of the market share, a condition which GAO described as highly concentrated. By 2018, the latest year for data, the number of highly concentrated states increased to 46, including the District of Columbia. So it went from 33 to 46. During the same time period, the median number of health insurance issuers per state declined drastically from 30 in 2011 down to just 12 in 2018. 
The median market share of the three largest insurers, meanwhile, increased from 85% to 98%. And more than 30 states reported that just a single health insurance company controlled more than 50% of the market. For example, in Florida, Blue Cross Blue Shield of Florida had captured about 68% of the market in 2018. Now, this is a problem that has clearly gotten worse under the Affordable Care Act, the health reform law that was signed under President Obama that preserved the private health insurance system but placed new regulations on it to ensure that people with pre-existing conditions could have access. So-called Obamacare exchanges, which were set up in states for people to purchase insurance and force companies to comply with the new regulations, are seeing the same high concentration. Those federal exchanges were set up in 2014 in 39 states. Since then, the number of states with three or fewer companies operating at all on them increased from 13 to 32. So thanks, Obama. Now, all of these numbers refer to individual health insurance buyers, but small group insurance markets also saw high levels of concentration. As the report details, from 2011 through 2018, the median number of issuers per state decreased from 13 to 5, and the number of states with high concentration increased from 36 to 46 states. When it comes to large group health insurance offerings, the increase was less pronounced, with the number of highly concentrated states increasing from 40 in 2011 to 43 in 2018. So what does all this mean? Well, as GAO states, it's bad for consumers who need health insurance. Quote, a highly concentrated health insurance market may indicate less issuer competition and could affect consumers' choice of issuers and the premiums they pay for coverage. Of course, the solution isn't to just add more health insurance companies to the mix in hopes that premium prices decline again. The solution is to rip health care out of the domain of markets and guarantee it as a human right, something that a majority of Americans support, but something that the current occupant of the White House, as well as the next occupant of the White House, are opposed to. And that is that for the newscast today. The music you hear means it's time to move on to the poetry portion of the show where we read haiku for all our new subscribers over at patreon.com slash district sentinel. I'll start. This one goes out to Yannick. Scariest words ever. I'm Rudy Giuliani and I'm here to help. Thank you, Yannick. This is for Connor. Democrats are like, we freaking love our science. Won't stop dining, though. Thank you, Connor. And thanks to all the new subscribers. That's patreon.com slash district sentinel. Five bucks a month. You get access to all our bonus content. Plus, you get a free month subscription to Means TV, where you can catch Sam and I every Thursday on Means Morning News. That's it for the show. Thanks for listening. We'll be back tomorrow with a brand new newscast. We're here in D.C., so you don't have to be.